This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv an unmatched dual threat. Hey, everybody. It's good old J.R. Jim Ross, the voice of AEW Wrestling. Yo, this is Flip Gordon. CVV Chris Van Fleet. This is Liam O'Rourke, author of Crazy Like a Fox. TCO, the French-Canadian Frankenstein. Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, and you're listening to Top Rope Nation. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. We're going to have one hell of a podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I finished these fights. Give me a hell yeah. Top Rope Nation. Learn to love it. It's the best thing going today. SummerSlam on the Horizon, episode 167. Top Rope Nation. It's Ryan Drosty of comicbook.com here with Kyle Ross. We're going to be breaking down the card for this Sunday's big show. We're also going to be talking about all the latest in the world of professional wrestling. And as luck would have it, Kyle, as often happens before we record these shows, especially when we're recording during the middle of the day as we are now, some breaking news just went across the wire, which we're going to talk about. So we're trying to get a handle on everything. We've got the Summer SummerSlam card in front of us, as I mentioned, but also these news items. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing great. Ready for a uh, loaded show here. New headphones yeah. on, too, so I apologize if I scream. They're much more noise-canceling. Well, your voice sounds as good as ever in my headphones, so... Oh. Hopefully must, you can hear me all right. It must be the Fago Red Pop that I downed before we started recording here. A, a wrestling yes. connection with Fago, by the way. Oh, really? Do tell. The Insane Clown Posse. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> who could forget the late 90s WWF? Yes, there we who, go. who could forget their appearance on SummerSlam 22 years ago? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, did you see me? I tweeted out the uh, the poster thing. Did you see that? SummerSlam 98. What an awesome poster that was yeah i don't think oddities kai and ty made that poster did it they did not they did not <laughs> if you know, we just did that draft for best summer slap matches ever if we did one for worst matches ever that would be a first round yes <laughs> can you Got- imagine if the internet w- was like it is today in 1998 that match happened where you had kai and ty just completely squashed in a comedy match like that people would like lose their minds 
I wish Twitter had been around so I could go back and read the takes. <laughs> a lot of times I think that with a lot of old wrestling. But Dick Togo yes. is so talented. What are they doing? <laughs> Which is, of course, completely accurate, but we just didn't get that at the time. Yeah. So you you mentioned the, the draft show that we did. It came out Monday morning, guys. If you have not listened, make sure you go into our archives and listen to episode 166, the SummerSlam Fantasy Draft. It was myself and Kyle. Justin. We had Liam O'Rourke as a guest. Liam, of course, the author of the award-winning Brian Pillman biography that came out a couple of years ago and and a big supporter of the show. We had a ton of fun with this five-round draft. We went through all of SummerSlam history, a wide variety of matches. We do have a poll up on our Twitter account, at Top Rope Nation right now. There's There's a graphic with the draft results. You can vote in who you think won the draft. I think that poll is open until Thursday night, if I'm not mistaken. So let your voice be heard in our poll so we'll have a winner. And, uh, you know, like I said, you can you can see the results in the graphic, but uh, I think you do want to listen to the show itself so you can hear all of our commentary and discussion on each and every match that was picked. It was a lot of fun. Check it out. Another thing that's been a lot of fun lately, Kyle, I wanted to plug this, is our Facebook group. Yes. Uh, I mentioned this, uh, let's see, on the last couple of episodes that we've had this Facebook group, but we haven't really made use of it in several years, and I decided, well, it's time to bring this thing back. And uh, it's really been active the last couple of days. It's been a lot of fun to interact with the listeners and a lot of good discussion going on in there. We're sharing out stories, links, videos, just talking pro wrestling. Uh, If you search on Facebook, Top Rope Nation Wrestling Discussion, it'll come up. We had, let's see, just yesterday, I think we doubled the amount of, of uh, users in the group. And it's kind of fun, like I said, just logging in and seeing what people are talking about. And there always seems to be a new discussion happening. So I hope that that continues to grow. It's a good way for us to you know, grow the podcast and have this more kind of community feel with everyone out there. And I've really enjoyed it a lot. So uh, I hope you all listening will check it out. But uh, we do have also a contest going on there, I should say. Uh, If you join the group, invite all of your friends that like wrestling from now until the end of SummerSlam on Sunday night. Whoever invites the most members to the group who actually join, uh, they will get a free Top Rope Nation t-shirt. I actually have a notepad here in my office. I am keeping track of who has the most accepted invites. And as I told you, we got like 70 or 80 new members yesterday. So uh, a lot of people doing some inviting. Really appreciate that. Join in. Maybe you can get a free T-shirt out of the deal. But uh, what do you think of the group, Kyle? Are you having fun with it? Yeah, absolutely. We've had some good feedback, some fun conversations, spirited debates. It's exactly what a Facebook group should be. Absolutely. Kyle's been really active on there. So if you want to talk to Kyle, this is a good way. Uh, so before we go on and get into this news real quick, uh, again, if you are listening on any of the podcasting platforms like Apple or Spotify or TuneIn, please hit subscribe so you never miss a show. Better yet, if you're one of those Apple podcast users, subscribe and leave a rating and review. If you leave a written review, we will read it on the air and we'll send you a free Top Rope Nation sticker in the mail for your trouble. But you need to leave your Instagram or Twitter username in the review so we know how to get a hold of you so I can get your address and get that out to you. Other, other than that, you can check out TopRopeNation.com for more information on the show and uh, BlueWirePods.com. We're members of the Blue Wire podcasting family. Tons of great content going up each and every day from a network of over 90 different podcasts. So if you're into NBA, NHL, MLB, movies, whatever, they have the show for you. Check it out, including the whole cast of wrestling shows alongside us over there. 
So with that said, Kyle, breaking news. All the latest wrestling news. Get behind the scenes inside a info. Calls cross the buck 49 per minute. Kids, get your parents' permission, but call right now. Renee Young, uh, reportedly about a week ago, gave notice to WWE. She is out the door. We don't know exactly when. We do know that she is working SummerSlam on Sunday. But after that, it's it's kind of anyone's guess. Last I saw, uh, your initial reactions to this. Okay, so I gave this a my god on the aforementioned Top Rope Nation Facebook.com page. But the reality is, I don't think this is that surprising for two reasons. One, Renee and WWE had become a bit of an awkward situation. Not just due to her husband working for AEW, but also because how she'd been used since her stint as a color commentator, if you go back to that. Um, she had that host gig on backstage, which was a good use of her, but the show was canceled. And the reality is they just, they weren't using her to the best of her ability. So I could see her kind of getting bored with what her role had become. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, and this is my number two point, she's probably too good for WWE. The notion that she could get a gig working for ESPN or FS1 is something that has existed for a long time. Like going back years, I believe Paul Heyman, uh, you know, two, three years ago, gave interviews where he said he would expect her to be there at some point in her yeah. career. So um, I know a lot of people are going to, you know, surmise AEW because her husband, John Moxley, works there. But she doesn't need to be in wrestling uh, if she doesn't want to. And I guess it just isn't that surprising, really. I would agree. Uh, wasn't there a report a couple of years ago that ESPN was kind of reaching out and she wasn't really interested? She wanted to stay in wrestling at that point in time? Yes, that's correct. So I would not at all be shocked to see her end up there. And I frankly would love to see it. She she is a great broadcaster. I agree that they, they didn't really seem to capitalize on her strengths too much. Although Backstage was a great show. Uh, not in the best time slot, but... I really enjoyed the show when I was able to watch it and, uh, you know, kind of sucked to see that get canceled. But that was kind of her strengths on display, kind of a very unscripted style show where it's like a free flowing conversation. She's really, really good in that setting. I don't think commentary worked out best for her. No, but as she an interviewer, she's great. Yeah. But as an interviewer, I mean, she is she is just awesome. And so I, predictions wise, is she, is she going to end up with AEW? I I would I would lend myself more towards the the so-called real sports side with like you mentioned ESPN or FS1 but we shall see. She may just take, you know, some extended time off way or options too. Uh she did recently of course have COVID-19. Can't forget mm -hmm. about that. Um hope, you know, it seems like she's okay now. Um and has gotten over that, but uh who knows? It, it had been do you think it had been is awkward an appropriate choice of word by me? Because yeah. it, it it, yeah. it just seemed like she was kind of bored mm -hmm. in her post-color commentary role. And WWE just seemed like they were using her, you know, as they would any other uh, of the uh, female announcers. Like Charlie or Kayla. And the reality is, I don't know if they're going to miss her that much. Because they weren't using her to the best of her ability anyway. Yeah, that's a fair point. So, yeah. Th that was just my thought. Um, look... No one, I, maybe people think this is hyperbole, but I think it's a fair comment. 
no one is ever going to be as good backstage in the announcing capacity as Gene Okerlund was. Oh, yeah. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. But in the 25 years since he left the company, I think she was the best. Yeah. Male or female in terms of, you know, just hosting, doing the interviews um, backstage before matches or during Raw. She was the best at it. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think Kathy Kelly was really good, too. Yeah, you know, that's funny you brought that up because I was thinking about that, too. And the two best ones they've had are now Splitsville. Yep. <laughs> you know, Unfortunately. They, yeah. they have so many of these uh you know, female backstage interviewers, and the two best ones, in my opinion, are the ones who have chosen to leave on their own volition. Mm-hmm. I'm not pot-shotting Charlie Caruso or anything, or Kayla Braxton, but to me, I thought Renee and Kathy were the best two, and <laughs> they kind of chose to walk. Yeah, I don't know what that says, but it probably says something. I think it leads right into our next discussion, and that is the state of WWE heading into SummerSlam. I think that's kind of a natural transition. You know, where where is this company at right now? You know, depending on your opinion, SummerSlam is either the second or third biggest pay per view of the year. This is a big show for them. Uh, we got a new venue starting Friday night for SmackDown. They're moving to the Amway Center in Orlando with the Thunderdome. Kyle, I have been to the Amway Center before. Uh, for the uh, Raw After Mania, right? Yes, they had a wonderful history of the Orlando Magic exhibit, if you're an NBA fan. (laughs) There you go. I was uh, absolutely sure to take a selfie flipping off the breakdown of the Eastern Conference Finals when they beat the Cavs. (laughs) I would expect nothing less. Mm -hmm. (laughs) As far as the Thunderdome, I don't really know what to expect. Uh, It's it's certainly something I'm interested in. So I will say going into SmackDown Friday, I have a little bit more interest in the show just to see how they do this. It's going to be probably very, very over the top knowing WWE production. Uh, You can, similar to the NBA, you can be a virtual fan, supposedly, uh, within this Thunderdome concept that they're doing. I think it'll help them to be in a in a bigger arena. I think just the performance center. We've talked a lot about this on the show in the last several months, but the performance center is just so small that it just doesn't have an exciting feel to it. I think it's one of the big strengths for AEW is they're in that Daly's place, you know, the big auditorium, more space. I think just having more space, a longer entranceway, that kind of thing, uh, pyro. I think that's that's going to help out production, no doubt. But there are bigger issues at hand with yep. WWE. <laughs> And it's it's on the creative end, right? Our, our friend Alfred Kanawa talked about this on Twitter. Uh, I think what, what did his tweet say? Something like this: "This isn't the big problem. We all know who and what that is, or something like yeah, that." Yeah, yeah. And I'm 100 percent with Alfred on this. You can't dress up shitty creative. Yeah. And the WWE Thunderdome to me is the proverbial bandaid over a bullet hole. <laughs> and uh, a friend of ours, a mutual friend, who I will not attribute their name to this quote, because they may not want it attributed to publicly, uh, referred to the WWE Thunderdome as, quote, an enormous 360-degree pulsating WWE (laughs) waving in your face with no escape. Oh, my God. (laughs) I am really interested to know who this was, and I will ask you off air. That's amazing. A wonderful feat of production that will be impressive (laughs) as hell. But I, <laughs> I love this. They were they were clearly trying to get me going here. Uh, more terrified of the virtual fans idea. Uh, can you imagine people sitting on their couches at home chanting, "You deserve it"? 
You know how that's going to get me going. <laughs> you know, that's the thing is like the chants aren't going to work because there's going to be a lag, you know, when you're Skyping in yes. or Zooming in or whatever. There's always kind of a lag with what's actually happening. So it'd be like that would be kind of entertaining, actually, <laughs> in a morbid way where the fans are like if trying to start the a chant. They're off. all different. Yeah. <laughs> People are like cutting in and out. You get that little ping noise. <laughs> and of course, there are a lot of rules and regulations some do's and don'ts yeah. for what these folks can do. I think they're uh, going to be on mute, by the way. I'm not that dumb. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> but uh, what was I going to say? Uh, yeah, it, apparently you're not allowed to appear to be on any sort of controlled substance. You're also not allowed to promote any third party because I thought about signing up and wearing my Top Rope Nation shirt. And you know what? I'm, I might still do that. But uh, <laughs> Or if any of you are out there, feel free to put, hold up a Top Rope Nation uh, sign while you're in the Thunderdome. But you know uh, you yeah, they had a whole li- a whole list of. Uh, I kind of browsed through that last night. All the stuff that's not allowed. You know what you should do is uh, recreate the sign from Summer Seven Ninety Seven. The Bret Hart passport expires August third, nineteen ninety seven. Yeah, <laughs> just hold it up. Uh, speaking about SummerSlam history, we obviously did a draft, and I always like to um, try to put things in a historical context. I'm thinking about SummerSlam 2020 here, and this has to be the least anticipated SummerSlam in some time, or at least since last year. But not including last year, you'd have to go (laughs) way back to find one that I uh, was, you know, this less excited about. Really, you think about it two years in a row, kind of brings back Visions 95-96 in terms of back-to-back years Those are the ones that first came to mind for me, too, but I feel like... 95, I mean, I was excited because of the ladder match, at least. We had that. Uh, 96, I was I was interested in Sean and Vader and what would happen. And being a huge Brett, Brett fan at the time, he was away. I was, like, hoping for a, a surprise appearance kind of thing. So I had that kind of stuff going for me. But, yeah, I this is on par with that, if not below. I would agree. I mean, our, our friend uh, Kyle Ryan, longtime supporter of the show, he said in our, in our Facebook group that, He's a lot more excited for NXT than SummerSlam, and I think a lot of people would agree with that. Well, yeah, and I didn't get a chance to respond to that. That's not really a hot take. I mean, <laughs> I think looking forward to TakeOver more so than the quote-unquote main roster show or the Big Four pay-per-view is kind of old hat at this point. That's been the case uh, for three, four years. Yeah, NXT usually tops but, the main roster. And, and we'll <laughs> yeah. talk about NXT hopefully at the end of the show. Uh I think the key there is just how emotionally disconnected I am from that product. It used to be that I was looking forward to NXT. Now, yeah, it's sort of like, well, it could be better by default. Uh, Because when you watch Raw and SmackDown, to me, Ryan, and again, I I try to refrain from hyperbole. I really do. But I think this is a fair commentary. This is a company at or near its creative nadir. Mm Mm-hmm. You talk about 95 or 96. If I, maybe this isn't fair because, you know, we're podcasting, we're talking about it in real time. But if I asked you, you know, after this podcast, hey man, you got a choice. What do you want to watch? 95, 96 WWF or something from the last 18 months? What are you going to pick? <laughs> no contest. 95, yeah, 96 sad. every time. Yeah. That's not like, I mean, I guess you could make the case like the middle part of 95 might be worse than it is now but oh boy it's just you taught 96 was the one that did the all-time low for pay-per-view buys okay uh 
really at that time, I thought they were as far behind WCW creatively as they ever were. Maybe the ratings don't bear that out, but that's my personal opinion, and I'll stand by it. Um, If this show, a big four pay-per-view, quote-unquote, was only available on pay-per-view, who would buy this, dog? (laughs) You know, I mean, I I think you and I are in agreement that WWE may have erred in, you know, making these big four shows network only, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Particularly WrestleMania. Uh, WrestleMania should, to me, should be pay per view only. I think they screwed up. To yeah, be I agree. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I just, to me, I look at this show and I know they've got the COVID nineteen excuse, but there is just no sizzle to this whatsoever. You said in the show notes here, uh, three of the four guys you'd build the company around aren't on the card. So who are you referring to? Okay, so the one that is is Drew McIntyre. Yep. Uh, the other three would be Biggie, mm-hmm. Matt Riddle. Kevin Owens. Hard to disagree with you there. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's and right on. Th- there's a couple days left. We have a SmackDown still to come in the Thunderdome. So maybe Big E or Matt Riddle will get added. I don't know um, if there'll be an intercontinental title match or whatever. I mean, we know AJ's working Jeff Hardy this week, right? Mm, uh, yep. On SmackDown. So who knows? Maybe there'll be a, a title match for the pay-per-view coming out of that. Maybe there won't be. I don't know. But uh, yeah, that's the thing. It's like... There are quality people on the sidelines for this. And uh, we'll, we'll get into the card here in a moment. Storyline-wise, they're just not clicking. I mean, that's people, you know, it, it's twofold. Yeah. The current crop of guys do not project as stars. And the storylines just aren't very compelling. To say the least, <laughs> that is for sure. So we're Three go- weeks in, do not yeah. know what the point of Raw Underground is yet. <laughs> Remember, <laughs> we talked about it right after it happened on this show. It said, you know, and we both were like, all right, I could see how this might be cool. We were being positive. Yeah. Our glasses were half full. We were trying to go out of our way and not be biased against WWE, trying to be positive. But we were both steadfasting. There needs to be a point yeah. to this. And that really hasn't been explained. Mm-hmm. It's just random people knuckling up in some weird room. <laughs> a very weird room. Yeah. A COVID hotbed, some yeah. would say. Yeah, 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 that's true. They're all they're all on top of each other. No masks. Oh. That doesn't seem Come you know, on. Yeah, that doesn't seem like a real <laughs> safe room to be in. No, it does not. Yeah. All right. So we're gonna go through the SummerSlam card. Before we do, let's go to a word from two of our presenting sponsors of Top Rope Nation. And that would be our friends over at NFL Sunday Ticket and Thera One. From tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging, to simply making it through each busy day, everyone understands what it feels like to be tense and sore, so everyone can benefit from TheraOne's CBD products. Started by Dr. Jason Worsland, TheraBody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help soothe your body and relax your mind. It started with the revolutionary Theragun percussive therapy device. When Dr. Jason saw the benefits of using CBD in his treatments, he created TheraOne to bring you CBD products done right. A lot of CBD products claim organic, but still contain up to 30% filler. And these fillers are potentially toxic. TheraOne tests their products four times before they get to you. Every product is USDA certified organic, grown in the U.S., and their CBD extracts are the highest quality available 
anywhere. Use TheraOne's warming lotion in your morning routine, the cooling lotion or massage oil to recover, body balm for targeted relief, and their sleep product to drift into a deep night's sleep. And now through Labor Day, that is Monday, September 7th, TheraOne is offering our listeners a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne products. Heck of a deal, guys. But you got to go to theragun.com slash blue wire. If you don't love what you get from TheraOne, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. This is not something TheraOne is likely to do again. That's buy one, get one free at theragun.com slash blue wire, but only until Labor Day. Go right now, theragun.com slash blue wire, or you can find the link in the podcast description. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone Channel and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. You can use, wait for it, promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. That's right. No more calling DirecTV and trying to haggle with them over getting a discount on Sunday ticket. You can get 15% off. Just go to NFLSundayTicket.tv. Use promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word. You'll get 15% off your subscription for this season. Check it out. So SummerSlam 2020 from the Amway Center, Kyle. Let's talk about the X Factor going into this show. And what would you say that is? I think it's going to be how, not if, uh, retribution factors in. And if that leads to an angle for payback, which is seven days later. Mm. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. You may not know this offhand, but I don't think they've done anything like this since the infamous This Tuesday in Texas pay-per-view in 1991. Maybe Hmm. there was like a Cyber Sunday or a Taboo Tuesday that was like really close to another Mm pay-per-view. That would have been like, you know, 04, 05-ish range. But I don't think they've done anything like this with two pay-per-views in a row. Not seven days apart like this, I don't think. Were, you know, was One Night Stand and vengeance in 05 i wonder if those were how close those were because they like loaded up that vengeance show because they kind of like were a little sensitive about it getting overshadowed by the one night stand show let me look at that two weeks apart vengeance Vengeance was two weeks after okay there you go Mm -hmm. so that doesn't qualify either so i I, we know there's been plenty that are two weeks apart yeah i shouldn't say plenty but a few instances this is yeah i think the first time since this tuesday in texas and you know, in the notes, right, I've got, will payback have a, quote, this Tuesday in Texas effect on SummerSlam? And what I mean by that is if you're old enough to remember Survivor Series 91, uh, that show, as it was going on, became completely overshadowed by a pay-per-view that was about to happen a few days later, mm-hmm. the next week. And had you ordered Survivor Series 91, you probably felt like you got ripped off. Because yeah. you got a... That was the real show you wanted to see a few days later. Yeah, next Tuesday. Because yeah. they took Savage and Jake off Survivor Series and put them in a, booked them in a match for this Tuesday in Texas. 
And then Hogan and Taker had their uh, bullshit finish, which led to an immediate rematch. So, you know, we'll see if there's going to be like, I mean, because it's a, you know, everyone's watching via the network. You don't have to kind of, I guess, don't worry about quote unquote screwing the pay-per-view buyer. But still, um, will SummerSlam have any definitive, make any definitive creative statements? I don't know. Or will it just be a lead in for another show seven days later? That's what I'm watching for, amongst other things. So I looked this up. Taboo Tuesday in 04 was two weeks and two days after No Mercy. So okay. I think this is, other than Tuesday in Texas, I think this is kind of unprecedented. By the way, that Taboo Tuesday show only drew 3,500 fans in Milwaukee. That Goodness. was not a hit. Okay. Ooh, and that had Triple H and Sean on it. <laughs> <laughs> Which two years after the summer, the great SummerSlam match that went in our first round of our draft the other day. You know, I don't know if it would be different today because wrestling fans have changed in some regard. But man, you look at the history of this business. People not knowing what they're ordering, meaning like tournaments or shows where matches are booked on the fly like ta- by fan voting like that Tabby Tuesday, just never do well. Battle Bowl was always a disaster on pay-per-view. Yeah. You look at that, man. 80s and 90s into the early aughts. Uh, never worked. People think, oh, this will be exciting, man. Oh, the surprises. You don't know what's coming. Never drew. Never nope. drew whatsoever. So I think we're going to start at the top of the card because that's where most of the interest is if you have interest in the show. So let's, <laughs> let's start off with that, what we assume is going to be the main event, and that's McIntyre defending against Randy Orton. So we have seen legends get involved in the build to this one. We saw Flair two almost two weeks ago now. We saw this week Shawn Michaels come out. Flair, of course, got the punt kick. Shawn Michaels got an RKO. So I, I guess it's, you know, Drew McIntyre. Show. Yep. Drew McIntyre standing up for the legends here. Uh, and, you know, when we make our picks for this one, I know what I would do, and then I know how WWE thinks, and so they're going to be in conflict here. <laughs> yes. What's your I, take on this? I think we're on the same page, and I'm not making a pick on okay. this match. Instead, I am going to give an impassioned plea on what should happen. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay, and what should happen is Drew McIntyre goes over clean as a sheet. Yeah, uh, this is a must-win to me for Drew McIntyre. When this match was first announced, I said, "Okay, Randy's done good work. There's no disputing that. Um, he's got you know an edge blow off when Edge returns down the line, but that's not going to be for many months." But <laughs> this promotion desperately needs to shed. Uh, the image that it's stale people on top. And I told the story, I think it was our SummerSlam draft of, I had a buddy over for my birthday and he mentioned, oh, what's the main event for SummerSlam? And I told him it was this and his exact response was, fucking Randy Orton still? (laughs) And again, Orton's doing good work. We're not saying he isn't, but there is a perception, okay? And it is a negative one about a guy headlining SummerSlam that headlined SummerSlam 16 years ago. Yes, there is. It's and not a good one. I know, and I know people are saying, oh, well, Hogan did it, and it drew a big number. But Hogan went away. Hogan went to a different company. He's also Hulk Hogan. <laughs> okay, Randy Orton, God bless his soul, is not Hulk Hogan. 
You know, I mean, he's, I think he's only missed one SummerSlam this whole time. Yeah, not many. You know, I mean, that 08, I, if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, may have been the only one he's missed since 2003. I had this in the, in the article that I wrote for comic book last week on his greatest SummerSlam moments. And I'm trying to remember now, uh, he's his, he has been, let's see, this will be his 15th match on SummerSlam starting in Oh three. So how many years is that? That'd That's be 18. Eight, so, okay. So maybe he has missed a couple other ones then. Cause if it's 15, then cause Oh three would have been 17 years ago. Yeah. So that means he's missed. And if this is 15, that means he would have missed two or three. But you know what's crazy about this? So out of 15 matches at SummerSlam, you know, c- counting this year's, nine of them have been world title matches, which is pretty you crazy. Know, Liam O'Rourke, uh, who was on the draft show, with he, we were talking about Orton and his SummerSlam history too. And between him, Cena, and Lesnar, they have been involved in a title match in like every SummerSlam going back to 03 except one. And I think it was hmm. the 08 one. Yeah. Yeah, he has... So he missed uh, 2018. Okay. He, he was not on the 2012 show and the 08 one. Okay, there you And go. outside of those, he's been on it every year since 03. So here's the problem. All right. To me, you know... The idea of McIntyre loses just to win it back, I'm not sure that booking philosophy has ever worked. Like, unless if people really, really care about the champion. Like, I think there's this perception, eh, you know, Drew, God, you feel bad for him. He, he's holding the title during these empty arena shows. He needs a big win. He doesn't need to lose and then beat the guy back. He needs a big win. But here's the problem. WWE is going to justify a must-win into a no-win because there's no fresh contender set for Drew after Orton. And we need a reason for payback. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> gotta, I see... Got to live up to that tagline. <laughs> yes. yes. So uh, they can use that to justify either a non-finish or a title loss, maybe via retribution. Here's the thing. I guess <laughs> we don't know who's in retribution, but, like, that's who Drew can go on and feud with if he beats Randy Orton. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was some interplay on Raw this past week. Uh, you know, I'm not, you mentioned the old guys uh, as being ancillary parts of this feud. I'm not sure I've enjoyed that or it's been a value add. To me, this should be Drew saying, Randy, you've had your chances. This is my time. I'm here to make it count. You can't take this from me. You don't get another shot. Claymore yeah, kick yeah, over. Yeah. Not, this whole I'm standing up for the locker room. As a fan, that doesn't resonate with me. You know, because Randy Orton didn't pass down some knowledge to Mustafa Ali, who I love dearly, by the way. I mean, that just doesn't resonate with me. Why would he? As a yeah. like as a from a fan perspective. Like right. why why are why do we want <laughs> older guys to pass down knowledge? Like, if you follow the business, okay, like, you know, behind the scenes, that's a nice thing to do. But as a wrestling fan, why do I care about that? Yeah, it's 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 weird because, like, I thought the Flair stuff was really good. I thought uh, Sean was pretty decent, too, but not as good as what Flair did. Uh, 
but it it does like just kind of take the focus off of Drew. Like he kind of is an afterthought. It's, it seems like all of this is the legends versus Randy Orton with Drew playing like second fiddle kind of. I don't know. Yeah, like 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 Drew's just sticking up for the WWE locker room <laughs> against this you know this bad apple Randy Orton. I mean, he's I like guess the support, he's like the supporting actor in the main event feud, but he's yeah, the champion. I, yeah, that's not good. So yeah. it's just to me everything points to Drew McIntyre needing a big clean win and i'm just not certain he's going to get it i think there's too many factors working against him from wwe's perspective yeah yeah my you know making a pick it just seems like this is totally a situation wwe would have orton go over and i i also really really disagree with that i think drew should win but like you mentioned, the payback line, it makes sense for them from a marketing perspective, I guess. And the other big thing was was the uh, potential challengers, if it's if the title's still on McIntyre and he moves past Orton. Uh, and you look at that raw roster and you look at some heels for him to feud with and, and the people that he hasn't worked, you know, it's pretty dang thin. I mean, I could... I don't know how close he is to returning, and I know some people will groan hearing this, but I know there were, there were the plans for McIntyre and Jinder to do a storyline with their friendship and everything, and Jinder looks like he's getting back to shape if you follow him on Instagram. Uh, those two work out together like all the time. I interviewed McIntyre a couple weeks ago for Comic Book, and he talked about how he sees Jinder almost every day. Uh, in better that, shape than me. <laughs> so that's, that's a few they could do. Uh, and honestly, I would kind of be into that. I like new faces. I actually really enjoyed Jinder Mahal's title run. He can go back into our archives. And uh, I thought it was just something new and fresh at the time. I know there's a lot of people out there that would disagree with that. But I like I like seeing new people on top and, and doing something different. So I could see that as a potential challenger if he stays champion. But it does kind of feel like... Orton gets the title and McIntyre just wins it back. And then, then maybe he goes into that feud. So we'll see. I almost think that it's going to just be a non-finish rather than Orton winning the title. Like I can see this being the match where retribution interferes, causes quote unquote chaos. And we just don't get a winner. That, mm-hmm. that That's if you force me to make a pick, that's what I would do. Even though I, to me, even though it's been worst view of the year material, a non-finish caused by retribution in the Braun Fiend title match almost makes more sense because I don't think you either want want I don't think you want either of those two guys losing. Pardon my French. Right. Yeah, I I agree on the SmackDown side for sure. Because right, I mean the the guy who loses that match, not sure what you do with them. Whereas Orton's fine. He's a made guy. He's got, we know what his des- long-term destination is. It's a blow-off match with Edge. So losing here to McIntyre does not hurt him at all. Mm. With Braun and, and Wyatt, it's going to be interesting what they do with whomever loses that match. Yeah. And boy, the build to this match has been something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is it I the can... worst feud of the year? Oh, man. In WWE, at least, I, and maybe all of wrestling. It's up matter. there. Although our friend Justin Joint, who's not on the show today, he liked the, the Wyatt Swamp fight a lot more than you and I did. Uh, I did not care for it. I have not cared for everything they've done on TV the last few weeks. Alexa Bliss is great. Her acting is spectacular. But it outside is? of that, <laughs> I mean, jeez. I, mean, I, I don't know, man. It, this is some real C-level movie type well, it shit. It is, but she is she's by far the best actor out there i think well, i mean <laughs> but it's, it's bad material 
like saying, you know, who was the best actor in Santa with muscles, yeah. I think. Okay, <laughs> I mean, let's consider who else she's competing with. Uh, this has been some real mid-90s Undertaker-type shit to me. This, except the difference is, at least with that mid-90s Undertaker stuff, people cared about the Undertaker still. <laughs> this, it's just like, dear God, just please let this be over. And the whole slant of Braun seemingly going to the dark side. I don't even know what to make of that. Dude, he was so bad. I'm sorry. Like talking about, again, how Bliss was really good when she she was slapping him and talking him down in the ring on SmackDown last week. Now, obviously, mm-hmm. we don't know what's going to happen this week. But with him, like, basically turning into the heel in this feud and I just didn't. I thought he was pretty cringy out there, to be honest, the way he was screaming and not good. Just not good stuff. No, it wasn't. And that's the stuff that plays really poorly in the empty arena, too. I, yes. I feel like this, you know, high school theater shit that they do, mm. like, really looks bad in that performance setter setting. Yeah. Like, it, like it, don't get me wrong. It'd be bad in front of a f- packed house. But it's real bad when it's, like, in front of silence or virtual silence. Yeah. I mean, so I guess it's supposed to be like like Bray has this mind control over him or something. But, you know, he's just That's it's turned awful. Braun Strowman into a douche and he's acts like the heel now, I guess. And it's just not good. I, I mean, not do we this. think it's going to be a swerve, bro? And Braun and Alexa, by God, really care for each other? <sighs> I could see it. I mean, if Russo was booking it, that's yeah, that's what he would do. What we would do, and then <laughs> God knows where he would take it from there. But I don't know. I mean, like when they like, I already didn't care, and when they went in that direction on SmackDown last week, I was like, wow, I actually care less. <laughs> yeah, like it, it's almost like this will be a hate watch for me. Bottom line, all right. I, actually, before I, I give the bottom line on the on the SmackDown title picture, I want to say this. These two characters in a long-term feud, as we've seen, you know, these guys have been feuding, what, since basically WrestleMania, like, after WrestleMania, right? This mm-hmm. is their third pay-per-view match. is such a mistake. The way you would book a feud between these two, it's almost like, here's just an idea. It's like they both clear out guys in the Royal Rumble, and they turn and face each other. And it's just a one-time match. It's just, these are just two monsters, like, face, you you do one match, and that's it. You have them just truck through dudes, and they have one match, where they both look really impressive and badass looking up to, you know, in the build-up to it. Yeah. You do not do this community theater shit, multiple matches. It's just, it's terrible. Like, I, I don't think you could have booked this any worse than they have. And boy, is the shine off this fiend. I mean, you go back to last year, this guy, you know, was like the talk of the of the weekend, at least in terms of like main roster. Mm-hmm. We were super high slam. on him, but we also were cautious. And we said, I'm not sure. I know pretty much all of us said at the time that it was really good stuff, but it was going to be really hard to sustain the momentum with this kind of character. And that has proven to be the case. Well, the problem is that well, the Firefly Funhouse stuff had an expiration date. Yeah. It basically served its purpose to get you to the Fiend character. But once the Fiend character debuted, and we've all talked about this on the show before, the Firefly Funhouse stuff needed to go away. Mm-hmm. It needed to be, he needed to just be the Fiend and, you know, 
w- just work like that. I mean, I-, I guess whatever. He can't talk there, but who cares? Yeah. I mean, th- that's the problem with WWE. Oh, well, he's got to talk. He's got to be able to come. No, he doesn't. You don't have to do anything. Yeah. And, and to your point with these guys, yeah, way too many matches. <laughs> this has been going on seemingly forever. I think it was maybe the show we did before Extreme Rules or right after. Yeah, it was definitely before Extreme Rules because I remember we had a conversation about what was going to happen in this swamp fight. And I said, ah, it's just going to bridge the gap until they get to SummerSlam. And either you or Justin was like, they're going to wrestle again at SummerSlam? It was me. Like, yeah, and I'm like, yep, I think so. <laughs> and here yeah. we are. Oh, yeah, I, I know. It's just like, please, just end this. Like that's, yeah. that's like the worst thing you can have if you're a wrestling promotion is when you've got this big, you'd hope, blow-off match. And you just people just want the feud to be over. Like, who's emotionally invested in this? Who's rooting for somebody hard on Sunday night? Yeah. Who You know, who's like, oh, God, I just... I hope they tie this not beautiful, this story not beautifully. Like, who's out there saying that? The Thunderdome is going to be shaking with anticipation yes. of the Universal Title match. I oh. look at the SmackDown title picture. Big E needs to be the guy to beat either of these two and be the long-term answer, and he needs to beat the winner of this match like a dog. You want to make a guy have Big E take on the winner and just plow through. Would love to see it. And that, that's a dynamic big man, whereas, quite frankly, uh, these two characters are not dynamic, mm-hmm. The Fiend and Braun Strowman. They're rather one-dimensional, and th- when you overexpose them, as both characters have been, it, it's, it's, it's tough. Yeah. All right. Let's breeze through the rest of these matches here. So, um, do, we, do we think there's... Go- okay. Do, yeah. Just one thing. How yeah. likely are we... To see at least one title change in the two main matches. Hmm. I think pretty likely. It's okay. SummerSlam. It's a big show. I think yeah. they'll change. I think they'll change one of them. Uh, I agree. Yeah. So, all right, Asuka, She's wrestling twice. She's got the match with Sasha for the Raw Women's Title, and then Bailey for the SmackDown Women's Title. I guess to kind of move this conversation forward, which one do you think is more likely to change hands here? If at all. Uh, I think Bailey is the person more likely to lose. She has had this title for a long time. Like, other, like I think she lost to Charlotte last fall and then won it back. With the exception of that, she's had it for well over a year. I mean, she, she's, I mean it was Money in the Bank, wasn't it, last year? She originally won it. And that Charlotte run did not go long. Yeah, I'm looking up the title history. She so she won it October 11th, 2019. Okay, but then like she had lost to Charlotte, but it was just a cup of coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, when did Charlotte win it? From her. Yeah, let me see here. So it was uh, Charlotte won it October 6th. Yeah, five days earlier at Hell in a Cell, and then Bailey won it back on SmackDown okay. Okay, the following if- week. Memory serves me correct. Going back before that October sixth date, Bailey wanted it money in the bank. Like yes, it was in May. Okay, yeah, it was during that. Uh, like, was it like a Lacey Evans Becky deal or something like that, or maybe it was even Becky Charlotte or something? I think it was. It was when Becky defended it uh, twice. Yeah, yeah. Bailey cash in money in the bank. Okay, yeah, yeah uh, for sure. Charlotte. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um. So I think. Not just it's not just because ba- Bailey's held the, her title for a long time and Sasha recently won it. I think the dynamic of Sasha being a singles champion 
and Bailey not, it would be fresh. Yeah, because we got the kind of the the uh, kind of the secret jealousy stuff from Sasha before. Yeah, kind of slip it around. And the idea of Oscar winning one of the titles but not both definitely makes sense. Simply just because that outcome potentially causes the friction that you just alluded to uh, between Sasha and Bailey. So yeah, I think that she's, uh, that's definitely the outcome. Oscar's going to win one of them, not both. And the one she's more likely to win is SmackDown. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So to your point in the last 15 months, Bailey's have the title except for five days. So yeah, that would, <laughs> to me, that seems the most likely outcome as well. Hats off to her, by the way. Yeah. She's Sasha been great. And Bailey in this, you know, nadir time period we're talking about in the history of the world wrestling federation they have generally been the bright spot this summer oh man yeah i mean covering smackdown over on comic book those two has been the highlight every week for sure for quite some time now so yeah i you can't have both of them lose the titles that you know way they're the best thing going right now so i think yeah bailey loses sasha kisa you change that dynamic a little bit and you continue to play towards that eventual split which hopefully We'll be in front of some fans down the road, but we shall see. Uh, rest they of the don't co- need to rush that. No, either. no, they don't. No, because what they're doing now is great. So keep it going. No reason besides, to rush in. Besides, Ryan, you and I, we have patience for long-term storytelling. We do, which leads us into this next match. Seth Rollins, who <laughs> maybe doesn't think that we do. Taking on Dominic Mysterio. How far has this Dominic Mysterio come? SummerSlam 2005. He's watching a ladder match for his own custody. <laughs> Fifteen what a, years later, he's wrestling Seth Rollins. What a piece of business that was! And, and you know that was a deal where like I wasn't into it, but the ratings of SmackDown clearly indicated lots of people were. <laughs> God bless Eddie Guerrero, man. Yeah. God, that he, was yeah. Yeah, that, that was that feud carried SmackDown in that time period. Yes, it did. So. <laughs> this feud is not carrying raw during this time period. It is not. Although, man, God bless Dominic Mysterio for the beating he's been taking, man. I mean, you would think here that you got to you got to have Dominic get something back the way he's been taking beatings. Uh we'll see. Uh will Ray help him win perhaps. Uh but you've got a take here about Seth Rollins. Different well, yeah, from it- our most recent take about his comments on our show last week. Well, no, it's actually just feeds into it, what we said uh, on that show. Seth's claims of, quote-unquote, long-term storytelling are put to the test in this match. Based on my 30-plus years of watching pro wrestling, baby faces eventually have to get revenge. And to what you just said, I think Dominic needs to go over here. Because, you know, the man's father you know, almost lost his eye, quote-unquote. Hmm. Uh, you know, Seth has kind of been running roughshod over Dominic, like you mentioned, for weeks now. Um, I I think, you know, were Seth to win here, what's the next step in the story? I mean, does, you know, is it like, okay, well, Ray, maybe they Ray's re-signed and they do that blow-off match? (laughs) Maybe, I guess. I'm going to make a comment right now that you may not agree with. Seth Rollins losing here and going off TV for a little bit is not a terrible idea because this Monday Night Messiah thing has really played out. I don't think you're going to get that just yet. I think it it's going to happen when his child with, with Becky, when their child yeah. is, is born. But I think she's a few months away from that still. Yeah. 
So I I don't know how how far along yeah, would she I guess be? That's she's probably like four or five months along right now. So yeah. yeah, I mean he he will get some well deserved time off when their child is born, but I don't think they'll do it now because if he leaves now for a couple of months and then they have the baby and then he's gone again, it wouldn't make much sense. So I think you'll get that, but probably not quite yet. They're doing the draft, right? They just announced that not that long ago, didn't they? Announce some plans for a draft, maybe not formally, um, but we're, it's been, we're hearing things. They've yeah, they've. They've moved it now several times. Apparently, okay. I think they moved it at least twice. It, w- it was supposed to happen, I, I think, in August and then September, and it's been it's been pushed back and pushed back. I think Seth Rollins is a lock to go to SmackDown because, correct me if I'm wrong, since the second brand split era came about, I think he's been on Raw the entire time. Yeah, yeah. So uh, to me, I, I could see Seth uh, almost certainly going to SmackDown. Well, get your Monday Night Messiah t-shirts now, then. Yeah, I just... I I don't know what you do with this guy anymore. He's already lost to Drew McIntyre. And, you know, he's had this feud. I I don't know who you you would pair him with next. He's had a long feud with Kevin Owens. You know know who I think he could have some great matches with? Do tell. Big E. I think that yeah, dynamic and, and, would be great. Again, yeah, when he moves over, you know, yep. of course, you know, you being the big Iowa homer you are, of course you would suggest that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the 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 uh, native Iowan versus the former Iowa Hawkeye and, and Big E. There you go. But no, I, I do think, you know, Seth is a very talented performer. So is Big E. But I think the dynamic of him, you know, the CrossFit, the limber guy taking on the big, stout, strong guy and Big E, I think they could do some really good stuff together. I'm interested to see... Dominic, what he can do. I think Lance Storm has been was the one doing most of the work with him before Lance got furloughed, right? Isn't that yeah. the deal? Yeah. Um <laughs> one thing I did have is he almost <laughs> I feel like I'm Jim Cornette here or something. When Dominic oh, no, don't go down that road. <laughs> I know. No, no, this is a more of a just a wrestling related complaint. More I'm constructive, okay. Yes. Did it seem when he was doing, like it was a couple weeks ago, like his offense was far too similar to like everyone else's offense you see on the show? Like, I mean, maybe that just speaks well that Lance Storm is a trainer, but at the same time, like, should that be happening? Where it's like, hey, Rey Mysterio's kid who's never had a real match, man, he's doing all these high-flying moves just like your favorites. (laughs) That's true. I didn't really think of that. Like, I was watching, I was like, okay, I mean, this is pretty sweet, but like... I feel maybe the announcers like weren't selling it well enough. Like they should have been like, "Oh my God, Dominic Mysterio! Like, what is going on? This guy looks like he's a ten-year pro." They didn't really do a good job of it. They just acted like, "Oh, of course, Dominic would be doing high-flying moves on Seth Rollins." What do you expect? <laughs> See, what you're saying is he didn't exactly look like David Flair out there. No, no, a but more like, advanced. I feel like it's, you know, when you have this match where it's like a guy making his debut, you know, whether it's like you know somebody's son or relative or you know like Virgil or something like that you know former bodyguard taking yeah. on Teddy Biasi like it there has to be sort of this sense that the 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 person isn't like a classically trained wrestler you just can't come off as another classically trained wrestler I think that's missing the boat yeah. so I'm very interested to see how this match has worked my guess is in the nuanceless WWE it'll just be work like any other normal match and that'll piss me off <laughs> But um, I am interested to see. All right. So this next one, Mandy and Sonya. I want to talk just about take this. It, 
Yeah, it's, this is definitely taken on a, a, a kind of a crazy <laughs> situation. Yeah. Um, but I do want to say, I think both of these women have done an awesome job in building this. We've, we've known Sonia is really good. Like, she's a really good talker in particular. She's one of the best on the mic in the entire company, I would say, Sonia DeVille. But on last week's SmackDown, Mandy was great, too. She cut a great promo backstage. And so, you know, I'm... I'm somewhat excited to see this one. We know that they've been wanting to do a match like this in a, in a longer feud like this for a while. Uh, and this has been building. This is long-term storyline. This has been building on for months and months and months. The hair versus hair match. I think it's pretty obvious that uh, Sonya's going to get her head shaved in this one. But there's a lot going on here, Kyle. Not just with the match, but obviously Sonya's had some rough times in the last week with what's been going on. Personally, for her, very, very scary situation. Yeah, trespasser. I mean, oof, yeah. that's just... And, you know, M- Mandy was, you know, with her at the time. You know, I don't want to... By the way, I don't want to hear, you know, people trying to make this like, you know, the 2020 version of Jim Duggan and the Iron Sheik. Oh, God. Okay, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, yeah. I, you know, I'm glad I didn't see, but like, there was a lot of people preemptively saying, don't you dare do that and complain that two people feuding were together in a house. Because... Truth. The the bottom line is Mandy being in the house with Sonya may have saved Sonya's life. Mm-hmm. Okay, this isn't something like you know Jim Duggan that we can joke about. You know, two guys feuding that were like doing blow off a two by four, doing ninety down the highway. <laughs> yeah. At least I hope they were doing it off the two by four. That would always bring me a smile. <laughs> I was gonna say I haven't heard that detail of the story. No, but that no. added a whole new dimension think, to it. <laughs> can you just imagine just dug into a rail right at the two by four? Oh, <laughs> yeah, cheek. I <laughs> you with <laughs> yeah. Um, God damn. And maybe edit that oh. one out. But um, oh, you, you know, I mean, to back to a very um, you know scary situation. Obviously, glad that both are okay. Uh, and my heart goes out to him because, as you were saying, Ryan, this is a match both of them professionally have wanted to do for a long time. And they probably felt some pressure going before all this happened outside the ring. And I just hope for their professional sake that they're able to leave the ring happy Sunday night. That's honestly um, what I want out of this. Is just for them to be happy because um, obviously a very scary situation that no one should have to go through. Um, some, you know, the guy was, I guess, mentally ill. So I don't know. I'm not going to whatever go on a, any diatribe there. So, yeah. All right. And so the U.S. title, Apollo Crews and MVP. We got that one. And then we've got the uh, Street Profits, Andrade, Angel Garza matches to, left to talk about. So I would have to say between these two. Not not the most interesting. I mean, they they could be pretty good in the ring, uh, story wise. I mean, I guess they they did the uh, the poisoning angle in the in the tag team match the other night on Raw, or whatever. Uh, <laughs> what do you? Let's start with the U.S. title though. What do you what do you think of this? We got Bobby Lashley and Shelton Benjamin banned from ringside. Um, I did think what they did with those guys the first week on the Raw Underground was pretty good. They uh, looked badass at the end of the show. Yeah, yeah. So that added a little dimension to their characters and what's what's been happening. But there hasn't really, I don't know, long term if that's really going to help them or not. Probably not. It was a good moment though. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'm hypocritical here. I'm not sh- sure if Apollo Cruz is the right guy to be U.S. champ. It he he's new. 
and I complain about that a lot, that they need to push fresh faces. That's why I use the term hypocritical. But I feel that, like, it's just like he's being pushed because he's new, not because he's the right new guy. Does that make sense? Yeah. Here's the issue with Apollo Crews. He has improved. There's no doubt about it. I'm very happy for him that he's getting this run because I did see a lot of potential. He was called up too early, for the record. He needed to stay in NXT and really come into his own. Um, I think he was someone who they're like, oh, you know, he's got that great look and let's just fast track on the main roster. That was a mistake in retrospect. But here's the thing with Apollo. It's not just that he needs to improve, which he's done, clearly. He needs to improve to the point that people forget the way he'd been booked the last several years as this inconsequential player who loses all the time. Yeah. And that's a tough stigma to overcome. I I think it... uh... It kind of points to how they view the U.S. title, too. That's pretty inconsequential. Yes, it's just like, oh, okay, well, we've got this secondary title. We're going to try with the pilots. Give it to them. Yeah, yeah. MVP, you talked about it uh, with the Hurt Business, how they were standing tall a couple weeks ago in Raw. Um, He's very good in his role, but by God, MVP should not be the United States champion, no matter how they view this title. No, absolutely not. So, you know, I mean, no offense, MVP. I, I think you've been actually one of the more consistently uh, top notch performers on that show, but he, he, the MVP would be the wrong choice to be the U.S. champion. Yeah. So I think, I think you got to have Apollo go over here. I mean, this guy was like the U.S. champion, what, 13 years ago? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, Kyle, on the on the tag match, you wrote in the show notes here, this is a clear case of creative making me less interested in a match. Go yes. <laughs> the, uh, they, of course, built this uh, match between the Street Profits and Andrade and Angel Garza with the time-tested booking philosophy of having the challengers lose clean to the champions, only then to win a number one contenders match the following week. <laughs> because I, obviously you want to see it then. <laughs> yes. They lost. Uh, hey, win, don't, don't tell the WWE wins and losses don't matter, okay? Yeah. They lost, but they had to win again and they won. I, I just. Eh. Um, man, we are really seeing here in 2020 with the dearth of contenders why there should only be one tag team champion. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, yes. Each yes. show, you just can't build up contenders. I mean, SmackDown, there's no SmackDown tag team title match on the show because there's literally no contenders. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, unless you want to do a heel-heel match with, like, Miz and Morrison against Nakamura and Cesaro. Yeah. I mean, th- there's nothing over there. Or, you know, get Otis and Tucker back together again, I, I guess, is-, is an option. You know, um, who knows? Maybe they'll throw that match on the card now that I've joked about it. But, uh, look, I like everyone involved in this Raw Tag Team title match. I like the ancillary parts. I, I like, you know, Bianca. I like Selena Vega. Um, but it is a clear case of creative making me less interested in a match I should want to see. Uh, as far as predicting an outcome, Andrade and Garza have always seemed destined to break up, so they're probably losing. Yeah, agreed. Could be a banger in the ring, though. I mean, some real talent in there. So, only I mean, in ring wise. Yeah, as of now, and we're recording this Wednesday afternoon, there's only eight matches on this show, so should get time, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Hopefully they can. Um, you know, work it in a unique style and, and make us forget about the creative. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see if anything gets added. Um, maybe something comes of the IC title situation Friday night. I don't know. I was a little surprised they were doing that match on SmackDown rather than SummerSlam. But, uh, well, again, I, you know, I don't mind that. They've done this, I feel, for the last couple pay-per-views. And it always seems to be on SmackDown 
where there's like an intercontinental title match that might get lost in the shuffle on that's, the pay-per-view. That's true. And they yeah. use it as a headliner on the TV show. You got all this TV. You know, you, you need important matches on the TV. I, I am not bothered by that at all, to be honest with you. Yeah, that's that's true. Uh, I, I, I just I just mean like on the surface of you've got AJ Styles and Jeff Hardy, like these two bigger name guys that aren't going to be on SummerSlam. Yeah, but I mean, it, make, it, yeah, makes, it, it makes sense what you're saying. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it points to, you know, the flawed title structure of WWE. Yeah. That you've got too many titles, so what does an, another title match, and this is kind of sad, means nothing on this card. Yeah. You know, I mean, having like, you know, two secondary title matches in addition to two, two quote-unquote world title matches, um, we've both said that on the program mm-hmm. for years. It's a flawed idea. Yeah. There's too many men's singles titles. So let's wrap it up. Brief discussion on TakeOver. And, and to let you guys know, basically the plan is going to be um, – a lot of the bigger pay-per-views we've been doing review shows of lately. Uh, we didn't do that for uh, Extreme Rules because we had a scheduling conflict. Uh, it was on my anniversary. That's why. <laughs> but uh, So I wasn't going to do a post-show that night. But uh, this, we, we will be doing a post-show immediately after SummerSlam airs on Sunday night. So the, the typical Monday morning show will drop late Sunday night. And uh, we'll also probably discuss a little bit about what happens at TakeOver on Saturday. So, Kyle, you said we're not going to do a full preview here, but you said you have three things you want to say about TakeOver. All right. I want to throw them all to you, or at least two of them to you. Okay. And by the way, none of these are about Adam Cole, Pat McAfee. Surprise. So, yeah. I mean, I, I, to be, that should say something like this, you know, their big, quote unquote, mainstream attention grab. Not even going to talk about it on this program. Uh, Karrion Cross, who's going to be challenging uh, Keith Lee for the NXT title. Chris Jericho made some interesting comments on his podcast a few weeks ago, and I've been dying to get this on the show ever since. He said Cross should be fast-tracked to the main roster. Forget about having him challenge for the NXT title, especially if he's not going to win it. I completely agree with Chris Jericho's comments. Your thoughts? Me too. No, okay. I, I agree too. Yeah, his his exact quote was, "They need to get him out of NXT. I think it would be better just to have him in the WWE. They get got to build him up as they do, but I think he's going to be a big star. I think the whole act with Scarlett and everything, it's a fantastic act, and there's really no purpose to have him in NXT. He could be a much bigger star. I think in the long run, I think uh, in NXT, it you risk devaluing him in the long there run." Is n- there is no point in having these acts that are ready for the main roster lose title matches just for the sake of losing title matches because you have to have a headliner for takeover. You just said it a minute ago, like wins and losses, they can matter. And this is a hot act right now, and he's not going to win, I don't think. So, <laughs> but yeah. and the thing is, Keith Lee probably shouldn't lose either, right? You, you, they, they love doing this because they're like, all right, well, what's the biggest match we can have? But they love putting two guys together that shouldn't be losing. Yeah. And, and so you, you force yourself into a no-win situation. And that's what this is. Karrion Cross should not be losing a major match this weekend, nor should Keith Lee. Therefore, as much as the idea of this being you know, the biggest match NXT can put on, it's actually flawed. You don't want them working together on this show. Yeah. 
Jericho um, went on to say Cross has huge potential. He's a mean looking guy, and him and Scarlett together are a great package. They look great. I love their entrance. I think that over time, as he becomes a better worker, he's going to be very big in WWE. And we talk about WWE, the lack of heels they have on Raw and SmackDown, top flight heels. Well, there you go. Carrying yeah. Cross is a guy who can step right in and fill that, help fill that void. Mm hmm. Uh, the booking of the ladder match qualifiers move on. This is something I have been following uh, really ever since Bronson Reed won the first one. There's been a pattern where it's kind of like they've gone with the underdog win in all of them. Mm-hmm. Maybe Damian Priest doesn't qualify as that, but, you know, the bigger names have not won the qualifiers. Right. Like the, the people who've qualified so far are Reed, Priest, and Cameron Grimes. And then Dexter Loomis had originally qualified, but he got hurt on that, presumably in that silly spot that they showed, on which my heart goes out to him for if that's what it was. But, you know, they have these two do-over matches coming up tonight with some of the bigger names. And I'm really worried that we're going to see very WWE-ish style booking here. Whereas to me, the idea of five kind of up-and-comer wild cards being in this ladder match was very attractive. Yeah. Because it's like, man, anyone can win this thing. And what I don't want is, well, they won those matches, but we're going to devalue those wins by, you know, having these do-over matches tonight, and then one of those guys will go on and win the title. I think they need to have one of the up-and-comers win this North American title deal. To me, the three most boring options to win the ladder match would be Gargano, Dream, and Balor. Mm. Maybe I'm alone in that. I I just, to me, it would just be very predictable. Like, I think they did a good job with like, hey, wow, this was an upset. This was an upset every week. This isn't who you thought was going to win. Anything can happen in the World Wrestling Federation. Yes, Yes. and and it was kind of a cool deal. So I, I hope they don't mitigate that by having one of those three win. And, and and the last thing, you know, I mentioned his name. Uh, Triple H was asked about Velveteen Dream and the allegations against him on the NXT TakeOver call. God bless Jason Powell for doing so of ProWrestling.net. And Triple H uh, really hit him with a, well, I'd like to move on. Ooh. So, yeah, he, he basically was like, well, we looked into it. Nothing there. Uh, I'd like to be asked a different question now. So mm. uh, all I can say is, man, if you go back and look, at Velveteen Dreams NXT run, there's a lot of times where he has these 30 and 60 day absences from TV that aren't talked about. Yes. Lo- there, there has been more than one. Mm-hmm. I remember, remember we had like some breakout match against Aleister Black on a, t- it was takeover. It might've been like two years ago or something, or even longer at this point. Yeah. But that was like his real big breakout match on a takeover. Mm-hmm. And I remember, the three of us on the show were like, what the hell ever happened to Dream? Because he just wasn't on TV after that. You thought they would have capitalized on that because people were really into him. It was kind of interesting, the, the, the number of days he missed off TV. Be interesting to go back and tally that exactly and see. Yeah, yes. I mean, it's, it's weird that he's always off for 30 or 60 or 90 days. It's weird. Maybe someone in our Facebook group could do this. <laughs> yeah, be interesting. yeah, it's just, it's, it's real weird. Look, <laughs> they're high on him. Yes. Behind the scenes, yeah. uh, which probably doesn't surprise anybody. But uh, we've been it, high on him too. Yeah, but it, it, it seems that there are some issues, and the allegations against him are very serious, yes. obviously. And yes. um, you would hope 
the WWE did its due diligence and isn't just blowing uh, smoke up the uh, journalist's ass in that press conference. You would hope. One would hope. All right. I mean, so that's SummerSlam. That's TakeOver. Uh, hopefully nothing happens in the next few hours before the show drops that makes us look like morons. But uh, <laughs> that's a risk sure we take in pre-recording this. I'm sure there'll be another big news dump tomorrow and we'll be like, oh, man, we just missed out on talking about that. But uh, no, it... it it's uh it's a big weekend for wrestling. We'll see what happens. We'll be here to break it all down for you on Sunday evening. Like I said at the top of the broadcast, check out the Facebook group. A lot of fun. Top Rope Nation Pro Wrestling discussion. Join the group. Uh, join in with all of us. and Kind of more of a direct line to myself and Justin and Kyle. And uh, a lot of other good uh, discussions happening in the group. A lot of good characters, big fans, really smart people. So check it out. You can find us on social media at Top Rope Nation. That's Twitter and Instagram. And uh, you can find me at Ryan Droste, D-R-O-S-T-E, on Twitter. Kyle is at TRP Kyle. So anything I didn't get to, Kyle, that you wanted to make note of before we take it home here? No, we had a lot of stuff and we got to all of it. I always enjoy when we get to all of it. Yes, uh, that is true. You know, I'm always, you know, whenever there's something we miss, I'm like Vince McMahon at the end of In Your House 4, throwing my headset down (laughs) five minutes after the show's over. Nope, no, I won't be doing that here. Behind the uh, scenes, that's what happens. Like, I'm I'm trying to run the hosting gig and I I cut us off because we're running long and then I... Stop the recording, and Kyle's like, Ryan, you SOB, I wanted to talk about... No. no. I think every every I that w- was dotted and every T was crossed here. Yes, it was. We got it all. Impeccable show notes, as usual, Kyle. And by the way, if you want to see those show notes, support the show over on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Top Rope Nation. Bonus content. <laughs> I should, I should like start like throwing in like random insults to the patrons and see if they're actually, <laughs> they're reading, actually them. reading them. Yeah. Yeah, see if they're actually reading them. <laughs> yeah, every week I put, I put our show notes up on the patreon page bonus content there's like 20 bonus podcasts over there it's the only place you can hear it probably the best way to support the show is on patreon so patreon.com slash top rope nation all right so with that said this has been episode 167 top rope nation we'll see you in the facebook group and if not there we will see you late sunday night have a good rest of your week peace Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is back in action, and there's no better place to start wagering than our partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts.